Father, we want to take just a few moments tonight and say thank you uh, for the work that you have done. Lord, we're thankful for your provision and for your, uh, the things that we can see uh, you working. And Lord, we also want to be mindful and to say thank, thank you for the things that we cannot see, the things that we miss, the things that we don't even understand is going on. Lord, we're thankful for the knowledge that we can know that you are always protecting us and you are always working on our behalf. We thank you for your love and for your word and for your blessings in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Franz, our favorite part of the service. Go ye, kids, go ye. Amen. And the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and uh, there are many different places in the Bible that uh, we could uh, do this. Uh, If you like titles for the uh, sermon, I'm going to call this one a spiritual checkup. And every once in a while, it's good. and you should about once a year or so go to the doctor and just get a checkup. And uh, every so often, in fact, uh, that's one of the things that uh, the Lord's Supper fulfills in the life of a Christian. And we're not doing that tonight. But <clears throat> there are passages in, in our Bible that it is good for you just to take a few moments and go through. Uh, because there's a list of things to uh, look at, to uh, evaluate, and just to say, hey, how am I doing spiritually? And so we're going to just start in verse 3 and uh, read down through verse 11 of Second Peter chapter 1. It says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness... Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, of course, Peter goes on, but those are the verses that that we hope to cover uh, tonight, and uh, just want to start in verse 3, get right into it. It says, according as his divine power hath given unto us 
all things. And guess what? Computers hadn't been invented yet. There's no radio, no television, uh, no cell phones. I mean, how many of you are old enough to remember what life was like without cell phones? I mean, they just weren't there. It wasn't available. Uh, the only people that had them was the President of the United States and the gangsters. I mean, everybody else... Uh, you had to stop and find a payphone somewhere, and uh, uh, it was. A, and sometimes you, you, the kids look at us and say, "How how did you communicate?" Well, well, we we did all right. It wasn't impossible. Uh, sometimes I think we communicate too much. But here it says that His divine power hath given unto us. All things. Now, Peter wrote this many, many years ago, probably somewhere uh, in the early 50s A.D. And he said, we have everything we need to serve the Lord. We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, I'll tell you. We packed up a bunch of tools uh, Friday night after the Scripture Coalition was over. Uh, Andrew and I went through the, the tool bins and loaded them into buckets and got everything ready to go up there. And I mean, we were loaded for bear. Uh, we were ready for just about anything we thought. And we got there and they had bathroom partitions that we could take down and just free. And those things, if you, you know, you're looking at over $1,000 a stall to buy them easily. The only problem was they were all put together with security screws. It is a very special fitting. It's got a little pin through the middle of the screw, so you cannot put the bit in the screw and undo it. And the reason they're that way is because this was a school building and the Children in school, and I still believe teenagers are children. Sorry, kids, but that's the way it works. Uh, tear things apart. And you know what? These stalls were perfectly intact because you cannot take anything apart without the bit. And so uh, I'm sitting here going, oh. Maybe uh, Brother Foster, the pastor that was heading the thing up, said, uh, just get a drill and drill it out. And I said, okay, Andrew, go drill it out. And he comes back. He said, Dad, it caught on the pin and busted the drill bit. And uh, said, get a bigger drill bit, man. And so I got a bigger drill bit and nothing happened. And you know what I did? I got on my phone and I dialed in hardware stores. Near me, and I called two or three of them and said, Do you know what a security bit is? He said, Sure, do He says, We have all sizes. I said, You got to be kidding me. The ones with the hole in the middle, so the pin. He says, Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. So this is an answer to prayer. Had to drive 15 minutes each way and, and uh, from where we were and got the bit, came back, and guess what? Everything worked perfectly. When you have the tools, it works. Do you know, the Christian life was meant to work. It's supposed to happen. 
And yet, if I were to ask a raise of hands, how many of you failed at one or more points in your Christian walk this past week? Every hand would go up. I want us to just take a few moments, spiritual checkup time, and understand that there is this struggle to the Christian life. I mean, that was this morning's message. Uh, there, there is uh, some uh, difficulty there. It's not, it doesn't just happen to you. It's not something that you just sit there and wait for God to transform you into this wonderful Christian. There are things you're supposed to do, but you've got to get a hold of this truth. You have everything that is necessary to live the Christian life. It's been given to us. Peter said he had it in 50, well, let's just pick 55 A.D. We don't know the exact date of the writing of this book, but that's pretty close to it. He says, God's divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But here's how we get all things. Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I'll tell you our problem is we need to get to know Jesus better. We need to know more about Jesus. No, you don't read the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, If you've ever heard of that, you know what I'm talking about. It's part of a group of writings called the Pseudopegrapha. Pseudo meaning false, pegrapha writings. Now, if this book is listed among the false writings, why would you believe anything that's in the book? Unless you're, uh, what's that guy's name? Brown, who wrote the Da Vinci Code, and some of the, he only picks and chooses what he wants to believe out of the false writings when everything that's in there is, is certified non-truthful. Uh, don't believe everything everybody tells you. Every once in a while, you'll see this email going around. The missing books of the Bible. I'll tell you what. There aren't any missing books in your Bible. There's not any missing words in your Bible. There aren't any extra words in your Bible. Everything you need is given to you through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. We have what we need. The problem is we just need to get closer to Jesus. This knowledge of Jesus gives us These great and precious promises. I mean, sometimes you just need to think about what it means to be saved. You you need to remember. My uncle passed away last week and we've been on the phone back and forth and trying to get everything worked out with the funeral and, and down in the Baltimore area, and I'm going to be trying to take the family down there for that. And and uh, the first question that my brothers asked me and, and we talked about was Uncle Fred saved. And uh, he had made a profession of faith many years ago, and uh, that's, that's about, uh, he was not a regular church attender or those things. He actually visited services here one time. Some of you may remember him. And... Uh, we, we praise the Lord that we have at least that to hold on to. 
oftentimes when I preach funerals and just something to, to think about. Uh, people talk about planning your funerals and things. It's just a little rabbit will chase it. Make sure your family knows you're saved before you die. Amen? Isn't that a good thing? Uh, it, it, let them know that I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and if something happens to me, I'm going to be in heaven. You don't have to worry about me, but I'm worried about you, because I don't know about you. Excellent witnessing opportunity there. Some way you can get in, but here's the thing. We have these promises. We have the promise of eternity with Jesus. We have the promise of being accepted by Jesus, being recognized. I mean, it's something that is uh, uh, a wonderful thing in, in this human life is to be recognized and accepted by other people. That's one of the things the church is about. Sometimes someone that hasn't been here in a long time, they'll say, everybody treats me like I haven't been here in six months. Well, it's pretty close. You, you need to understand that there's, there's recognition there. But Jesus says, I'm going to recognize you as my child, as my son, as a person that I have paid the price for sins. And you read everything that is in the Bible and it says that, <clears throat> that through these precious promises, we can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, there is nothing in this world that they haven't perverted in one way or another. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, if you really want a good example, just look at the people running for president of the United States. I mean, there is no truth left unmarred in the lives of these people. I mean, if you just stop and think about I mean, uh, it, it's, it's a tragedy. You need to pray. You need to pray for this country. And we're, we're in trouble. Everything has been corrupted. People want things. Nobody... Uh, I got a phone call the other day. You hear silence when you pick up. Hello? Hello? Oh, no. Sales call. How many of you gotten those? Oh, just love them. And I'm going, this is not another sales call, is it? Oh, no, sir, we're not here to sell you anything. And I want to go, liar, bang. But I, but I don't. I, I wait until they start the sales pitch. And then I tell them, listen, this is another sales call. I, I don't want it. I don't need it. And no, thank you. And hang up the phone. I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, why can't somebody be honest? But they can't. They all work for Con Edison, don't they? I said, no, you don't work for Con Edison. You work for a company that sells energy and has doubled my Con Edison bill. I don't like this. Uh, I'm not paying you anything. But let's get back to the point here. You see, we have all things. They're right here. You're not going to have to run out and add tools to your toolbox. It's full. Everything you need is in there. If you want to add anything to what God has already given you, you're going to be meeting a need that is unbiblical. 
Because you already have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So even somebody calls up and says, we've developed a new method for reaching people. No, thank you. We're still trying the old ones. You see, if we have all things, I don't need the new thing. I have these exceeding great and precious promises that make me a partaker of the divine nature because the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of me. I have an opportunity to live in this corrupt and perverse world and not have to be a part of it. Isn't that incredible? You should be saying amen about that, right? Now, it says, and. Now, whenever you see the word and in your Bible, you know that we're going to be adding something. We're traveling in the same direction. And besides this, beside all of this that we have, it says giving all diligence. Now, that is a sermon in itself, is it not? When is the last time you gave all diligence to anything? I mean, I, I watch Andrew up here and Brother Franz struggling with, with song leading sometimes, and it's just like this. And I see people out there going, hmm. you know, we ought to give all diligence when we sing. It's it, we have to remember, you are not the audience. Up here on the platform, you're not singing for me. You're not singing for Andrew or Brother Franz. We, we have an audience of one. That's why we meet here. God is beholding our order. And when we talk about a worship service, when we sing songs, we are trying, we ought to be trying, to sing those songs for His benefit. That's what worship is. And we ought to give all diligence. We ought to do our best. Well, I can't sing very well. Well, that still doesn't stop you from doing everything you've got. By the way, you sing with your heart far better than you do with your mouth. And if you can get that, you'll understand what it means here. There are some things that we have got to pay attention to. One of our greatest issues that we're dealing with with the Union Baptist Church is the Lord's uh, blessed us with this building. Right, Brother Mike? I have to remind myself once in a while. Uh, it, it is a blessing. It is an incredible answer to our prayers. But you see, there has been an extreme lack of due diligence in maintaining and keeping up the building. I mean, it's just hasn't been there for 50 years. And so it's a nightmare. And uh, they had a guy in there who, they, who claimed he was an electrical engineer. And he fixed things. And uh, it's been my job to go through and disconnect everything he fixed. Because, see, it wasn't diligence 
uh, I think with the boiler, we just got it working regularly uh, so that this week when it gets really cold, we won't freeze up the building and the pipes. Praise the Lord. It's, it's working in spite of one, two, three, four LEDs that are connected there for just who knows what reason and about 400 wires that don't belong in the normal hookup. And the boiler guy got in to fix it said, what do I do with all this? I said, I don't think we ought to touch it. Just can we go around it? And he says, yeah, yeah, I can fix around it. And so we did. Uh, but that's what most of us do when we give diligence to something is we're playing with little lights and bells and whistles and we ignore the important parts. That's where the checklist, here's the checkup list. And I'll be done on time, I think. I'll be done before next Sunday, I promise you. Uh, we could preach sermon on whole each subject, but I don't want to do that tonight. I just want to, we need to give all diligence. You have to add to your faith. Your faith is the basis of your relationship with God. Your faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And the Bible says that we need to give all diligence. Now, here's your checklist. If you want to see how you're doing spiritually, here's what you need to do. It says, add to your faith virtue. How many remember Mr. Bennett and his Book of Virtues. Does anybody remember that? It was a very popular, quote-unquote, Christian book until they found out that Mr. Bennett was uh, spending uh, much time at the high roller tables in, in uh, Las Vegas gambling tens of thousands of dollars. Fortunately, it was his own money, totally legal to do. But don't write a book on virtue when you're sitting there at the gambling tables and living that kind of life, that bothers me. We had the book. Somebody gave it to us. It was a nice book. I think I threw it away. Uh, because there's just something wrong with a man who wants to write about virtue who's not living it. Virtue is a word that is lost. It simply means pure living. But let me explain to you how virtue works. Uh, if you've heard this before, it's the best illustration. It's a biblical illustration. Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And how many of you remember the woman with the issue of blood walks up and touches the hem of his garment and she is healed immediately. What did Jesus do? He stopped. And he said, who touched me? And Peter's there saying, Lord, everybody's touching you. Uh, this, they're mobbing you. He says, I perceive... Virtue has gone out of me. You see, that's defining virtue. See, the issue of blood made the woman unclean. But because she got close to Jesus and touched him, he cannot be made unclean. So she had to become clean. Virtue is a powerful purity that affects People around it. You know, we've had people come in our church on occasion and say, You guys are so old fashioned. Say, Yeah. We've had some other people say, You guys are. Well, as some of you remember Ted, he said, The thing that drew me to this church, he said, You guys are like Little House on the Prairie. 
He said, I just loved it. He said, that's what I wanted. I was tired of being a punk rocker and doing all these stupid stuff. And he said, I wanted the truth. And you know, that's, that's what virtue does. People ought to be uncomfortable. This is the keystone to the new Christianity that is being preached today. That you don't have to dress up to come to church. You don't have to uh, give up your worldly music and all of your worldly uh, processes and things. Virtue makes people like that uncomfortable. They call it a barrier, but it's not. Because you see, Jesus is pure, and when I got close to him, he cleaned me up. And he says, I want you to add virtue to your faith. And by the way, the more you examine your life and your virtue, the more you're going to find out that you don't have it. It's one of those things that you just have to constantly borrow from the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to get that constant supply to keep yourself pure. You know, I, I, I want to make people uncomfortable that want to sin. I think I've said this, working, I work for the Board of Elections, just helping run the election site and things, and I had a, a supervisor there, uh, just foul-mouthed woman. And uh, I tried to be respectful and, and, uh, and said, uh, once she started on a few things, and I said, would, would you please not talk like that? She said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm just working here. And she said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm the pastor of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, right over here on 35th Street. She goes, I'm sorry, Pastor. I, I'll, wor- I'll work on it. You know, the, if you have the right attitude, you, you can help clean things up around you. That's what virtue is. You don't have to be, you can't do that in my presence. I'm going to get the CLA and the CLA won't take your case. And nobody else will care. But you've got to add virtue. Faith is living the Bible way. Amen? And virtue is pure living. You'll notice that next comes knowledge. You know why knowledge doesn't come first? Because knowledge by itself, 1 Corinthians 13, what does it do? It puffs up, doesn't it? And so, if you don't have virtue to contain your knowledge, your knowledge isn't going to do any good. What, what's the cliche they always use? And nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, Well, that's what virtue is. And then you have to add knowledge because virtue without knowledge is just plain ignorance and there's no excuse because all things are given unto you that pertain unto life and godliness. You have everything you need. It's time to get a little closer to Jesus to get that knowledge. And then it says to knowledge temperance. Now, temperance used to mean abstinence from alcohol. Uh, It was called the temperance movement. But I'll tell you, the list ought to be a little longer today. How about about abstinence from Facebook? Uh, 
from your computer, from surfing the internet, from uh, uh, I mean, watching TV, from I mean, just everything that is out there. I mean, we have so many things that you can go access. Temperance simply uh, it's often uh, defined as self-control. The way I like to think of it, uh, because of just my mechanical nature, is different kinds of metal has to be tempered different ways for different jobs. You see, an engine block is usually the old ones anyway, when I was working on them, were made out of cast iron. And they would put extra nickel in them so they, when they got hot from all of the heat of the engine and everything, that they, they wouldn't crack or warp or, or move. But your pistons and your cylinder liners on the diesels had to be made of a special tempered steel. Because when that diesel exploded in that cylinder, you're talking about Hundreds of pounds of thrust being generated. My, the engine I had uh, was a six-cylinder Detroit diesel, and it generated 918 foot-pounds of torque at the flywheel. I mean, that meant every time it turned around, it could move 918 pounds. And when you had a 28,000-pound a, a bus that you were moving with the engine, you, you wanted all the torque that you could get. And, and so those... Those special steels were made and they were tempered to withstand all of that heat uh, of, of the uh, fuel compressing and exploding. But then you had gears. And you know what? They were made out of a completely different steel, a completely different temper. Because they didn't need to withstand the heat and the pounding. But they needed to withstand the edges so that the metal wouldn't peel off as it went around and that it would keep everything in perfect timing to thousandths of a second as that engine would rotate 2100 times every minute you had six cylinders banging 24 valves six injectors and everything had to work perfectly Temperance. You see, God has tempered us together in the body of Christ. He's given us different jobs to do if we'll do them. The problem is we like to do other people's jobs. Oh, they're more fun. But what we need to do is the ones that he has given to us. And we've got to work on this thing called temperance. You see, once you know what you're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing, then you can start working on different things. How many of you have ever had this happen? You just sit there and go, I'm going to say something. And just like the Holy Spirit of God says, keep your mouth closed. Anybody ever had that happen? You see, that's temperance. It's learning to listen to God. It's learning not to give your two cents because you need every bit of sense you have. Amen? And so we'll keep moving here. And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience. You know what patience is? Patience is not being frustrated when you can't do what you're not supposed to do. 
Did you get that? You see, how many times do we get upset about things that happen? And we know we can't do anything about it. And that ajuda, that frustration, that anger kind of burns on the inside. You know, depression, the number one medical problem in the United States right now, diagnosis-wise, if you've ever read the clinical description of depression, it'll take you a couple of hours. Uh, There's not a living human being that cannot be diagnosed as clinically depressed with that definition because they have to have a problem. Now, they're going to come up with other names for it, and uh, and it changes uh, so often. Everything keeps moving because, you see, we're all sick people, and we need the government to come in and fix us, right? No, I have everything I need is given to me through the knowledge of him that's called me to glory and virtue. You see, I need to examine my faith, and to my faith I need to add virtue, clean, pure living. I've got to put away the corruption that is in the world through lust. I've got to make my goals God's goals. And when I get that, then I'll add, be able to add knowledge, and it won't puff me up. And I'll learn to be temperate. And I'll actually learn to enjoy being temperate. That's patience. You see, then I get to godliness. I mean, I don't understand this. I mean, we see God getting upset in the Bible and all of that. But God has a plan. He is in control even though things around us look exactly the opposite. You know what? That's what godliness is. It's simply being able to trust God when everything around us looks nuts. Amen? And you see, once we get to that point, then come the good stuff. Brotherly kindness and charity. You know what? I love brotherly kindness. I love charity. Charity is simply love in action is the best working definition I can give you. Uh, If you have one of them newfangled Bibles, they change the word charity to love. But, and we don't have time to go through all of this tonight, but there's an awful lot that goes under the name of love that just isn't love. Charity is your love working according to God's plan to actually be a blessing to another human being. That's what charity is. It's the height, it's the highest level of Christian activity to which you can attain. Our problem is we want to start with brotherly kindness and charity without the foundation of faith, virtue, temperance, patience. I'm sorry, knowledge. I skipped knowledge in there. Godliness. You have to have all of those before brotherly kindness is truly acceptable and understood to be what it ought to be. And then, and then, and only then, can you approach charity. And you see, if these things be in you and abound, they're going to make you know more about Jesus. 
you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we talk about wanting to know more about Jesus and we need to know Him better. Well, here's how you know Him better. Besides all this, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. If these things are in you, if they're working in you, you're going to know more about Jesus than you ever could before. Because it's not just going to be a theoretical knowledge, it is going to be a working, living knowledge of depending upon Him for the actions and behavior and thoughts and intents of my heart. And it says, if I'll do these things, I'll never fall. I'll never be a used-to-be preacher. And see, this is the spiritual checkup. You'll never be a used-to-be Christian. And when you get to heaven... It says you're going to have an abundant entrance. You see, you can fail in the knowledge of Christ. I've met people that have, and I've tried to help them, but you, you can't help somebody who's not willing to go back to the beginning. You see, you've got to start with faith. And then start adding virtue to your faith. Until you're willing to do that, you're not getting anywhere. And we can excuse ourselves and make all kinds of reasoning. But if you want to go through this check checklist, and it says here in verse 10, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. It, it's not that you're trying to make sure that you're saved. What you're trying to do is make sure that your salvation is working in your life the way that God intended it to be. He gave you everything you need. He wants you to take everything you need and these great, exceeding, precious promises and work on these things. And then, when you get to heaven, you'll have something to praise Jesus with. That's what heaven is about. Read read Revelation 4 and 5. It's about the worship of God. You want something to worship God with. Get on this checklist. Just sit down. Ask God to give. Take some time this week. And just start working through these things. Because I'll tell you, in this world, there is nothing that is unmarred by human Lust and corruption. There's just nothing there. They have ruined everything that God has given us. That's the nature of mankind, not just Democrats and Republicans. Amen? And so what we need to do as Bible-believing Christians is have a spiritual checkup. Is this what's going on in my life? If it's not, We go to 1 John 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we get back here and start working on our list. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that You would help us to do more than just think about the sermon tonight. 
we would take some time during this week to, to live it, to go through it, and to ask you to convict us where we've come up short. We ask you to work in our lives that, Lord, you may get glory from us. Before we finish that prayer, we'll just take a moment of silence. If you need to come out, uh, spend some time at the altar, slip out of your seat, please, please do so. Then we'll get into our prayer time.